Welcome to tonight's episode of the Bird Bros Podcast. Fresh off a win over the Philadelphia Eagles. Tonight, I have three co-hosts instead of four. We're missing uh, AD, but it's all good. Tonight, we have uh, my brother Trent from Charlotte, behind enemy lines. What's up, Trent? What's up? What's up? We got Cadis, the the resident insider. I mean, this guy knows everything about football. What's up, bro? Yo, what's good, y'all? And AV. What up, bro? Yo, yo. All right, fellas. So, hey, we were, we were Monday Night Football game last night. National TV. Everybody saw us. Great performance. We pulled out a win by the by the skin of our teeth. Uh, <laughs> Trent, go ahead and start off, man. What did you think about last night's game? Of course, we had a strong first half. Second half was shaky. What did you see? What did, what did you take from last night's game, man? Now, I started off by saying, I like, if this was last year, I don't think we win this game last year. Just We were uh, talking earlier offline about just the those games that Mike Smith messed up a lot of times with clock management and game management. So I just don't think we would win that type of game. Um, yesterday, That I don't think we would have won that last year. And also, I won't get too high on first half. Like, the first half numbers, we looked great. Our offense looked good. Our our defense looked better than our offense, which was a surprise to me. And I also won't get too low on our second half numbers. The only thing that does scare me is that we, our third quarter has been putrid the last for the last couple of years. Our third quarter has just been terrible, and it showed its scare. You know, it showed showed up again last night. So that's the only thing I am that that worried me. Our offensive line also started looking like our our normal offensive line. But all, and all in all, we, we want to know. Can't be mad at that. Can't be mad at all. So, A.V., like Trent said, we had a rough second half. And third quarter has been pretty bad over the past few years. We come out strong and we lose our, our steam coming out of halftime. Can we attribute that to the Eagles' pace? Or what, what do we attribute that, that slow second half start to? I mean, I think it's a new season, so it's hard to necessarily attribute it to to all of what the Eagles did. Um, you know, the team, our team is brand new in a lot of ways. New coaching staff, a lot of new players. Um, we're still trying to figure out exactly what this team is going to be. So uh, just looking at it from that perspective, you know, there's still a lot of work in progress, but you do have to give the Eagles a lot of credit. They did wear down um, the defensive line and wore the defense down. Uh, really you can start to see a little bit ending up, you know, beginning, ending in the second quarter, going into the third quarter. They started to get a couple things that worked. Some penalties negated some stuff in the second quarter. Uh, third quarter they were cooking, and uh, there wasn't really much we could do to stop them. So, you know, they did a really good job uh, as the Eagles overall in getting back in the game in that third quarter. But Falcons were able to prevail and, and make the best of the situation, and that's really all that matters. Yeah, it's a lot of – I was definitely impressed by our defense. I mean, like we've said, we've seen over the past few years, the defense is just putrid. Like, we can't get off the field on third down. And last night we did. We saw consistent pass rush and just overall great play. Cadiz, I mean, I know you you know the techniques. You know the, the defensive schemes. What do you think about what the pass rush looked like and just the linebackers and the way we were an assertive defense rather than a reactionary defense, how we've been the past couple of years? Well, I definitely, definitely saw that. Um, the way Dan Quinn had those guys out there attacking is just something. It seems almost brand new to me just because I hadn't seen that in years going back to, you know, like 2012, 
2012 was the last time we really had a defense that even tried to attack like that. We had been running so much like in the but don't break to sort of, you know, take what the offense gives you type defense. Uh, but tonight, uh, or last night, I should say, we really went out there and uh, attacked hard um, and put the pressure on them. Uh, as the game went on, uh, yeah, the guys got tired, but the pass rush did as much as it could. Um, given the offense that Philly was doing, they didn't even attack our corners. Like, Trufant and Alford played an outstanding game, but we really wouldn't talk about them from the plays they made, but more so from the plays that Philly didn't make. Philly, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't believe that Philly completed a pass that was more than, like, 15 yards down the sidelines. Like, they had a couple of passes in the middle where they were attacking our linebackers, which, you know, might be our weaker spot, as well as they got at uh, William Moore a little bit. His uh, PFF rating was low because of his pass um, defense, even though he did get an interception. So, you know, we do have a little bit of a weak spot in the middle when it comes to the pass defense with our linebackers and safeties a bit. But the pass rush up front did as much as it could, as well as on the uh, sidelines with our cornerbacks was really doing a good job. So I really um, feel like that was a good showing for our defense, especially given the up-tempo offense that Philly really tries to create. Yeah, no doubt. Just uh, you mentioned those shorter passes, and that actually hurt us pretty bad, the dink and dunk, where there was a drive where, you know, Sam Bradford never threw a pass, you know, longer than eight or nine yards, and we kind of stepped back into that zone coverage, and that hurt us. But, you know, bend but don't break. I guess that's really what defense is a lot of the time is just don't let the other team kind of get that, that, that score that'll hurt you. But he threw the ball 52 times, and his, his average was 6.5 yards um, per, per completion or whatnot. But I think you gotta you gotta look at it too. I think one of the things that um, you know Quinn coming into this situation with the Falcons this year, there's not a whole lot of depth on this team. He's brought some guys over like um, like Schofield, you know Brooks Reed who has yet to play, Justin Durant. So there's some new guys, some new faces on the team. But we saw it in the second half. This was a team that outside of those guys who were starting up front, uh, there's very little depth. And I think you have to go to a zone in that case because you really just don't have the depth to play the type of aggressive man-to-man um, style that, you know, Quinn has been famous for. So I think we were able to get, you know, a good a good amount of pressure and a good amount of rush throughout the game. But, you know, they picked us apart pretty good in that third quarter. So um, yeah. I think once we get more depth, I think you'll see the team start to take off. But it's probably about a, at least a year away from having the type of depth and rotational depth uh, to really stop a team like Philly from doing something like that. Fortunately, it's not a lot of teams like that in the league play that way. But, you know, we did get picked apart in that third quarter pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that was that was tough to watch. That had me – that's the heart attack football that we've come to know the past two or three years. You know, like 2012, we were winning a lot of close games where it came down late, and we never know. We could, we could easily lose, but we won most of those games. Trent, man, I know – Julio Jones is probably your favorite player on the Falcons. What do you think about that offense, man? You know, we he had nine catches for what one, hundred forty-one yards, two touchdowns, and burnt your boy Byron oh, Maxwell yeah, burnt all him. game. Like that was a great showing. What do you think about that offense? I mean, Tevin Coleman showed why he was our what second, third round pick 
this past uh, draft, man. What do you think about that yeah, offense, John? You, you, you definitely just took the words out of my mouth. You started with Julio Jones, but I was definitely going to talk more about Tevin Coleman and just how he basically he's reads what we've needed for the past two or three years. Ever since Turner has been gone, basically, he's what we needed. And I was very impressed with him. He actually had more rushing yards than all three of uh, the Eagles running backs uh, last night, which is probably the best trio of running backs in the league. So he actually he had a great uh, debut, and I I love it because it also helps Matt Ryan and it helps our offense with the play action. And once we get that play action, you get your offensive line going downhill, then our offense can be great. It can be one of those like what is what it's been known for. It can be one of those top offenses offenses in the league. Yeah. At least I want to chime in on Coleman. The thing that was impressive to me the most was. Dealing with the offensive line, and uh, I know we'll get into that a little bit more later, but the, um, with not getting a whole lot of holes, a whole lot of space, he always fell forward. He always was going forward. So we did have a couple busted plays where he was getting tackled for like a five-yard loss, but on those plays that really should be no gain or maybe one yard, he was getting like three yards because he would just dive through the hole. Literally, I saw it three or four times where he was just sort of jumping forward when there was no space just to continue to get positive yardage. So that was the biggest difference between him and um, Devontae Freeman last night, um, who, of course, that was his first uh, game action all season because he was out of the preseason with his hamstring injury. But even with that, he wasn't able to get those consistent uh, progress. So that's why I think that Coleman – um, as the season plays on, we'll continue to be our lead back. Even once Freeman is healthy, he should probably be that complimentary change of pace back. But Coleman's ability to consistently get yards, even when there's nothing there, is going to be a very valuable key to our offense. Yeah, I, I kind of I noticed that last night, man. Coleman is always gaining positive yards. He had one, one play on that third down in the fourth quarter where he got knocked back. But for the most part, man, he was always getting positive yards, falling forward pushing the pile, and that's what you need from a running back. He has that burst that we haven't seen in years, man. Like, we had Tiptoe Turner in, in 2012 and my uh, the shell of Steven Jackson, the skeleton of Steven Jackson the past two years. So it's like this is a welcome change, just seeing a fresh running back, a young running back who hits the whole heart. And then Devontae Freeman, once he gets going, he'll be a great change of pace, just like Kata said. And I also think, uh, well, just to interrupt real quick, Devontae Freeman, he, he's a great catching running back, so he'll he'll still be used uh, very efficiently in the offense. They had a stat on ESPN as well. Seven Coleman, 58 yards rushing before contact, more than any Falcon had in a game at all last season. So that tells you the impact he had in one game, being able to go ahead and get off the blocks, get some good starts, and be able to get some positive yardage before – anybody could touch him. I mean, he's a he's a really dynamic playmaker for this offense, potentially. And we haven't even seen him try to catch anything out of the uh, the backfield, really, uh, to the extent I think that he can. So, you know, he was positive. I think the run game showed us a lot more um, than what we thought, especially after that third preseason game against Miami. Um, it looked like the, the, the run game might, might be able to actually do some things. I don't think they'll be great this year, but I think they can be adequate uh, and serviceable. And they showed that last night. Yeah. He just sort of transitioned off of that point you made about the uh, 58 yards before contact. While that definitely shows me that, you know, Coleman has that explosiveness to get 
you know, past defenders before he gets hit, that also gives some props to the offensive line for him mm-hmm. because that we're able to open up enough space for him to do that. The you know we do see the plays that unfortunate third down play in the fourth that I knew we shouldn't have ran it on. It was like it was so obvious that play was about to up because it was so obvious we were about to run it. That should have been play action. But I digress. The um, mm-hmm. negative yardage plays that we had those look bad. But when you consider the big picture of things and how this offensive line was playing its first game together. Trey just got there last week. Um, Person just got put as the starting center. So this whole offensive line is really starting to gel. And the fact that we were able to open up that space for him, you know, more than anybody was able to do last year, regardless of the running back, lets me know that the offensive line is going to be looking uh, better sooner rather than later. Give them some time, let them gel, let them learn the scheme and get everything together. And uh, we should be able to make some plays with that line. Yeah. Oh, a couple other last points before we get to the state of the team. You know, we look at special teams all the time. When they do good, you know, it's it's great. It's hopefully expected. But when they do when special teams is bad, it's always glaring, like it's out there in the forefront. But our special teams was pretty good last night. Matt Bryant four for four. He's automatic uh, from field goal range, and that was probably the difference, his field goals, because we had some turnovers um, in the red zone and whatnot. But also Matt Bosher, he was a big part on special teams. Three of his punts uh, were inside the 20-yard line, and that's always that always helps your defense when you can pin the other team deep. So I guess uh, hats off to, to the special teams unit and also coverage as well. Um, any other last final thoughts on, the, on last night's game before we move to the state of the team and some recent moves? I mean, I know the Falcons won last night. Um, kudos to the team. I think that was a total team effort, but let's keep it real. Uh, Matt Ryan was not at his best yesterday. Two picks, um, one horrible interception thrown across his body uh, that set up a score for the for the Eagles. The other one early in the game where um, Kiko Alonso made a great play in the back of the end zone to intercept the ball on a pass intended for, who, uh, for Roddy White. I mean, Matt has had some games like this recently, especially the last couple of years, where he just makes a couple of really questionable um, questionable throws a game. So it'll be interesting to see um, how we progress moving forward. You know, obviously we're going to go as far as we can based on how Matt Ryan plays, but he, he's got to be a lot better than he was yesterday. There was a couple other balls that could have been picked off too that Philly just dropped. So, you know, he wasn't as sharp as uh, hopefully he will be, but – he looked he looked a little suspect at different times um, last night. So hopefully it was a good thing to see the defense be able to help bail him out and special teams uh, as well. I agree. I uh, I disagree to some point just because, for example, we the Eagles are one of the better teams in the I'll say the whole league, not just the NFC, not just our conference. So even despite him looking. Iffy, like he, yeah, like I give you that he had a couple miss, like a couple miss passes, a couple short passes that could have been big plays, but we still beat a, a a very good team last night. So just that alone, like, and I did, we beat, like we beat that team in spite of our offense, I would say. So I'm just, I I feel pretty good, like after this, after after last night, just because we were we beat a pretty good team, and Matt Ryan wasn't as good as he could be. Yeah, and I can I can definitely uh, echo that point. Matt Ryan, you know, he didn't have his best game, but 
he still almost threw for 300 yards. He went for 298. And, um, of course, he has that beast on the outside, number 11, that got him almost half of that. But overall, he was able to, you know, get it to Roddy. Roddy had four for 84, which is a great thing to see from him, uh, given all the injuries and everything he dealt with last year. So our offense, um, as well as we would have even had more plays, now I think about it, they had these horrendous um, – nitpicky offensive pass interference and holding calls on us on like Julio screen. So you throw those into the mix, you're talking about another 30, 40 yards that they took off the board and set us back. So with our offensive roles that we were going through in the second half, um, who knows, Matt, I mean, the first interception uh, Matt threw, I got to say, was one of the best plays I've seen made in a long time. I felt like it was understated during the game, but for a linebacker to yeah, make a one-jumping catch like that was absurd. And then the second one was was a terrible pick, but at that point, Matt felt like he was – I felt like Matt was pushing a little bit. Yeah, he was definitely pushing. Yeah, he I mean, was I, because he had all of these, um, you know, pass interference calls and the offense was kept moving backwards off of penalties and stuff. So, you know, once we're able to stay in front of the chains when we don't have, like, these crazy tic-tac – pass interference calls on screens that I've never really seen called like that in the league. Once we're not having to deal with that stuff and Matt is able to stay in a rhythm, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to be fine. We got to understand with Matt, he's, he's an elite, but only to a certain point. So he's not like a Peyton man or Tom Brady where he sets the tempo, but if we're able to set the, the whole game around him and allow him to operate, he's as good as anybody in the league. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just think, you know, um, even with all the penalties, you got to remember the, the Eagles could, could claim the same thing. They got a pretty pretty borderline iffy call that made against them where, you know, Matt gets sacked, fumbles, Philly recovers the ball. So, I mean, that was another play that was kind of a little iffy. I mean, I'm glad it went for our, for our way, but it's another one of those things where, you know, you can look at some of the penalties that were called both ways last night. Some of them probably don't get called um, in a closely, more closely referee game, but we were fortunate to come out with the win. But Matt's gotta—he's got to be better than he was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh, let's switch gears quickly to the um, state of the team, and this will just be a weekly segment where we talk about recent moves, maybe some some scouting things or practice squad guys. But today's uh, state of the team was centered around a move that's been rumored for about a week or so. Uh, he came in for a workout last week, and that's former uh, number one overall pick, Jake Long. We signed him today, and he is probably going to fill in at right tackle or play probably play some swing tackle. But he's definitely some welcome depth on the offensive line, which we need, and a guy who, if he's healthy, he's de- he'll definitely be a pillar on that right side of the offensive line. Uh, Kadis, what do you what do you think? Um, Jake Long will bring to this offensive line. Well, right now, um, the reports are that Jake Long has been signed just to play backup left tackle and then learn right tackle because he hasn't even played on the right side since he was at Michigan. Wow. Years ago. Yeah, so he's been a left tackle his whole career. And our, you know, top draft pick over on the left side, as well as Schrader doesn't get his due, but he's just as good as Matthews, in my opinion. Like, I have just as much faith in both of them. So I feel like Schrader is still in charge of his position. We, we're going to bring in Jake, have him learn the, uh, you know, learn the offense, get in the rhythm, have him be a strong backup to the left side. 
and if Trader falters and Long is able to pick up the right side, then you know Trader might be in trouble. But until then, I feel like Long is going to just provide that depth in, in case of injury and be able to, you know, possibly come in in a, in a big tight end set on a, you know, strong third and goal or something like that and help in those situations. But as of now, I don't see us relying on him, which is really a good thing. There's no, you never want to bring in a, a old injured free agent and immediately want to rely on him from day one. So the fact that we have um, players who are at least good enough to, to keep their spots for the time being, um, hopefully they'll be able to continue to keep their spots and keep themselves ahead of the game and long all right what do you think uh av any thoughts on how this move yeah i, I um i think it's just a great depth move um you know kind of like uh Cadis was just saying it's a great move to give the team a little bit of depth um i thought schrader played well he had some um had some penalties last night uh, matthews was solid last night um, I think you want to bring somebody like Jake Long in, like you said, just to go ahead and give you a little bit of extra depth. He doesn't need to be a guy who comes in and is playing 40 to 50 snaps. He needs to be somebody who can provide some spot relief if we need it. Um, I think really what we still need more help and we need to continue to look at is going to be on the interior. We saw it last night, a huge third and one late in the fourth quarter. If you have an offensive line that's going to grind it out and win you ball games, they got to convert that, fortunately. Um, we were able to stop Philly and get that late interception, but um, that's got to be a concern, getting that push and getting the first down on critical, like you said, third third and goals and um, third and ones and key short yardage situations. So uh, they got to continue to look at the interior of the line, but I think the line overall played well. I think Jake Long will just help kind of bolster that for the time being, and hopefully um, – he won't be won't be needed to actually be on the field that much because I think Schrader and Matthews can be good bookends for us. But I think it's a good move, it's good depth, and um, you know we'll see how it pans out. Yeah. You got anything about that trend or moving on? Yeah, I guess I'm the only one that actually wants that wants to see him on the field. Just um, I feel like the move it's a good move. Obviously, if I want to see him on the field, I feel like it's a, a low risk, high reward. But I also I like the nastiness that he brings, and even like, cause even though our offensive line did a good job last night, I still didn't see any nastiness. I still like when Matt Ryan was on the ground, nobody was, no, nobody came to pick him up or any of that. I just feel like Jake Long can come in and bring a like a different culture to that line. Yeah, I mean that's, I know Mike Smith preached it in on Hard Knocks last year, but that was all talk. But you got to see that actually on the field and even though it seems like a little thing but coming to help your quarterback up or pushing a, a D lineman off of your quarterback or your running back after he's tackled that's little things that will show you hey these guys are nasty and they're sticking they'll do up anything for that, for that yeah they do anything for that man yeah yeah I love my quarterback <laughs> that's my quarterback <laughs> alright man let's quickly I'll, I'll go through the around the NFC NFC South segment We'll just look at what happened uh, with our division foes in the previous week. So week one, we saw the Carolina Panthers uh, win over the Jaguars 20-9 in the uh, old expansion team bowl <laughs> from 95 or whatever. Um, you know, Cam, they looked okay. They they definitely still need receivers, but, uh, you know, they got to win. So I think they're probably our chief rival. Um, Titans versus Buc Buccaneers. 
Jameis Winston had a tough first game as the Titans just carved the the Bucks up and uh it'll be a long year for for the Bucks. I want to see Jameis do good, but that offensive line will have to definitely get get better for them to succeed. And last but not least, we'll talk about it later as well, but the Cardinals beat the Saints 31-19 and AV will have a, a segment coming up next about the Saints um taking the L and We'll just talk about why we hate the Saints and why the Saints suck. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, uh, the reason. What reason is this that the Saints suck? Go ahead and break it down for us, A.V. Yeah, this is is for everybody out there, especially to our Collie fan bases, uh, to the Saints fans who I know so so well. How y'all doing? Um, This is reason number 9,652 why the Saints suck. They gained 15. Excuse me, 54 yards yesterday on 20 carries. So Sunday had 54 yards on 20 carries. That was dead last in the league to start the season. 2.0 yards per carry, uh, a horrible way to start the season. But when you're the Saints, every season's a horrible way to start the season. So uh, a <laughs> terrible start for the Saints yesterday with rushing yards. So um, they're going to struggle with running the ball. Um, they still have the, a great offensive line to protect Drew Brees. But when it comes to, to really being able to run it and establish the run, it's still something they're going to struggle with, and they're going to struggle with that all year. Um, so that is my stat for why the Saints suck. Um, <laughs> Russian was not their forte yesterday. So, All right. We're going to go behind the enemy lines, and we got Trent in the trenches as our spy over in Charlotte, <laughs> up there in Charlotte, up 85. You probably, I know you take in some uh, Charlotte radio, sports radio during the day, and you got family members that are Panthers fans. Give me some uh, Panthers news, man. Yeah, man. I like I said, I was on every sports, on every local sports radio station today in Charlotte, and for some reason, well, I'm gonna start this off with some bashing, more bashing of the Saints. Panthers fans <laughs> also hate, hate the Saints also because they've already came to the conclusion that this division is the Panthers or the uh, Falcons. But they're also um, – I love it because the Falcons – I mean, the Panthers Panthers uh, fans were calling up to, uh, to the state, to the radio stations trying to figure out why their offense is not as good as the Falcons and why uh, Mike Shula needs to be fired. So it's just – I love it. I love hearing uh, Panthers fans just go to, go to a certain extreme after they either lose or – Somebody else in the division wins. I, I love it. And then, like I said, right now is the, all the talk is fire Mike Shula. Why off? Why does the offense suck? Who are our wide receivers? Um, they also asked a question, which was the weirdest question I've ever heard. What? Um, who had the more impressive win, the Panthers or the Falcons? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like you played. I mean, just look at the opponents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was. Jacksonville, brass. Exactly. You, uh, Blake Bortles. But anyway, they're, I guess the Panthers fans are very happy about their um, their win against Jacksonville. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, J.J. White come here and kill their offensive line and kill Cam Lee. <laughs> okay, now now just just a, uh, a disclaimer. The Bird Bros podcast does not condone uh, murder <laughs> of anybody. We do want to see the Panthers lose, but we don't want to see any lives lost. Just a little bit of torture, though. <laughs> Falcon did, fans. They, uh, 
did they say uh, what Luke Keekley's status is? I know he had a concussion in the game Sunday. Is he out for any foreseeable time? He's not. He, um, he's, it hasn't been confirmed yet if he's going to be out or not. Right now they're saying he's doubtful, though. So A.J. Klein looks like he'll be starting. That's a big loss for them. It is, but at the same time, the Texans don't have a quarterback, so it's going to be another ugly game. And right now, I hate it, but I'm pretty. I think the Panthers will be able to pull that out just because Texans don't have a quarterback. Man, that's is that, that in Carolina or is that in? Yeah, it's, it's the first home game here, so it's going to be game. crazy here. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have a running back either. So. It's, yeah, I mean that D line, man. When you got JJ Watt and and uh, J- Javian Clowney coming on the other end, man. Yeah, big Will Fork. Will so, Fork in the middle. I, like, I mean, I would I would love to see that, like to see them just come here and destroy all the Panthers fans, all their hope. But <laughs> we'll see come Sunday. Yep, yep. So that's behind enemy lines. Thanks for that, Trent. We'll we'll definitely be keeping it locked, and we'll probably have some Panthers fans. We'll have fans from every team on. In the coming weeks, to to be delusional, and uh, so we can shoot down their their fantasies about their teams. But let's look forward to the Giants game next week. Uh, we'll be going up to New York or New Jersey and playing the Giants. Of course, the Giants were the um, Sunday night football game against the Cowboys, and they they blew a lead. And Tony Romo led the Cowboys over the Giants. Uh, we have not beat the Giants in New York in over ten years. Of course, we lost to them uh, last season, the 24-2 debacle in the playoffs a few years back. I really want to beat the Giants. I, I don't like the Giants. I have a few friends that are Giants fans, so this is a game I'm looking forward to us winning. What do you uh, foresee for this Giants game, Cadis? Well, I definitely see a W for us, as I see for every game. But uh, in particular with this game, the, Gi- the Giants aren't impressive. Um they're, they're always – there's always something. Uh, I was watching the game with my, my girlfriend against the Cowboys. It's like it's always something with the Giants. They don't ever just play a regular game. So uh, going into Sunday, I expect for there to be some sort of drama on some loop fumble or some crazy timeout call. There's always going to be some nonsense when it comes to playing. Uh, but on, on the X's and O's side of things, their, their defense is food. Like, seeing the way Romo marched down the field without Dez Bryant, who broke his foot, um, which, looking ahead to week three, he's going to be out when we have to play the Cowboys. So that's a, you know, a gift for us, even though we never want to see somebody hurt. But on this Giants game, Romo was able to just pick them apart without his number one weapon on the field. So with us having Julio out there um, – you know, he's going to be full. We're going to have all of our weapons moving on all cylinders. They don't have a pass rush because um, uh, Pierre Paul blew his hand off, so he's not even out. <laughs> <laughs> have a pass rush. Have like a, a undrafted second-year uh, middle linebacker, so he's, you know, still learning the ropes, even though he had a, a nice little interception in the Cowboys game. Um, they just have a lot of different holes we can attack and exploit. And on offense – um, Beckham, who I feel like has quickly become the most overrated player in the league. Like, he's a nice receiver, don't get me wrong, but it's far too soon to be putting him up in the top tier along with Julio and Calvin and, and uh, Dez and all of them. He, need, he needs another season before he can touch that. Um, and I feel like 
Trufan will shut him down anyway. That matched up one on one. I don't really worry about him, and he's really the only weapon uh, of the Giants to be concerned with. Their running game isn't strong. Um, Eli is going to tell the running back to go down before he scores anyway. Uh, <laughs> Victor Cruz is still hurt, so he's not going to be. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's active yet. Um, even if he is, he's not going to be um, 100% going against us. So all in all, I'm not going to say it's an easy victory by no means because no victory is easy in the NFL until we play the Bucks. But besides that, man, I really feel like we're I, – if I had to give a score prediction, I'd say somewhere in the uh, 24 to 10, 13 range, maybe somewhere like that. Okay. What about you, A.V., man? What, what do you see these Giants – how do how will the Falcons look against the Giants? I'm always, you know what? Well, actually, I want to look back real quick to last year because Odell Beckham's first game was against the Falcons last year, um, and he had four catches and, and scored a touchdown, and that was the beginning of the Odell Beckham hype train <laughs> that uh, Kadis just talked about. So hopefully we can contain him. True fun to have a a good uh, test next week. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be an interesting game. I mean, you think about the Falcons the last couple of years on the road. have been uh, one of the worst teams in the NFL. I think it'll be interesting to see how Dan Quinn is able to get get the guys focused, how he adjusts on the road, you know, being outside his comfort zone, see if he can take this brand of football on the road and see how it does. I mean, the, the Giants look like they're in shambles. Um, every, it seems like every week we've heard some report out of Giants camp or something out of New York about, you know, either Eli and his contract or most recently with this, uh, you know, don't score touchdown, you know, from uh, from the running back from the Giants. And it just seems like there's a lot of dysfunction behind the scenes. So I'm not really sure how good the Giants are. And I kind of feel the same way about the Falcons. I think the Falcons, though, are a little bit further ahead at this point in the season. I know it's early. Um, I think the Falcons will be able to first force some turnovers like we did against Sam Bradford. Um I think the Falcons are in good position to win, even though it's going to be the Giants' home opener. So I think the Falcons are going to win. It's just a matter of can this team go on the road and do the same things that they were able to do so well in the first half last night. If they can do some of the same things, that ferocious style of defense, they can play an aggressive pace. If the offense can get off to a good start and then, of course, get Mr. Uh, Mr. Jones involved, I think the Falcons have a good shot tomorrow uh, – not tomorrow, but on Sunday – to get another win. So – um, I think the Falcons can win uh, and will win on Sunday, and we'll just have to see what happens. But I, I think they're in a good position. Yeah, I mean, that's the big key because we're known as a home team. The Dome, whether the noise is a real noise or artificial pumped-in noise, the Dome is always a big advantage for us. And so that's always the biggest test every year is can we win in a row in the conditions? It'll probably be good weather. It's not cold yet. Um, so that's a big – it'll be a big question mark and uh, – Definitely a a, a, bear, a mark to see where are we as a team and where does Dan Quinn where does Dan Quinn have these guys? Uh, we we'll wrap it up with you, Trent. Give me a score prediction and a um, little analysis for this game. I think this will be a, it's a the next challenge for our defense. Basically, um, yesterday we showed that we have the speed and we can run east to west with an with an offense. I feel like with Rashad Jennings, this will be more of your you know what I'm saying your north your north running your downhill running. So I do want to see how our, our defense responds to that. And also, I feel like with um, Odell Beckham, we have to be uh, physical with him. I want to see Will Mo. I want to see him on the ground. I want to see their throw out. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
yeah, I feel like this is a, the next challenge for our defense. We also have to create turnovers. We, you know that Eli will give it up. So I, I hope Vic Beasley can have that same type of um, same type of game he had last night. He, he was very active on the field. So I want to see him. I want to see Showfield. I want to see turnovers because that is the key. We are we're a, we're an away team, so we have to create some type of turnovers for our offense. Um, for prediction, I actually played this game in Madden earlier today. I won uh, 28-17, so that's what I'm going with. Cool, 28-17. Well, I I still got Madden 15, and I got a PS3, so y'all, my, <laughs> come my on, man, probably, get, come on, man, get up to date, man. <laughs> my roster's probably don't even update. <laughs> but I want to do one last thing. We had a little question during our discussion during the game yesterday, and it's centered around Julio Jones. I mean, the man just got paid big money. He's a, he's our cornerstone guy. He's our number one weapon. What will it take, or is he already there? Is Julio the best receiver in the league right now? I mean, I think that he is. Go ahead, I mean, Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I think that he is. I think um, if you look at some of the top receivers in the game, you think you obviously think uh, AJ Green. You think it is. Uh, I think of Megatron, Antonio Brown out of Pittsburgh. Um, but I think Julio is is as dynamic and um, as polished a receiver as any of those guys. If you looked at how he got open uh, last night, he got open in every way you, that you want. He did slants. Um, he lined up on the inside. He went go routes. Um, he posted up. I mean, he did whatever he wanted to. And it's not like Byron Maxwell is a bum. They paid big. The Eagles paid big money to get him as a cornerback, and he made him look silly. So. Um, there's not a lot of wide receivers who are going to have not only the physical tools, but be able to line up anywhere and make plays. And his hands have gotten better. Julio used to drop a lot of the passes that he he didn't, you know, make catches on. Now he's getting targeted. He's catching anything within his his radius. So I think he's the best right now in football. And that's not just off of one game. I think the last last couple of years speak to that too. Yeah, um, that's a good point. You talked about his hands, um, Av, because I remember. I, I kind of compared him to Terrell Owens at points because, you know, T.O., he had the speed. He was a tall, wiry receiver. He can make the tough catches, but sometimes routine catches were things that he dropped. But Julio has definitely improved with his hands. And, man, I just love watching him play. He's a threat to break it downfield every play. And, you know, Matt made some, some nice little those sidearm throws to him. A couple of those passes last night. And we saw what Julio can do going across the field. He's not afraid, and he's a tough guy. It's just, you know, injuries. Hopefully he can stay healthy um, and just have a great career. Trent, do you think he's there, or do you see um, somebody else ahead of him, Demaris Thomas or Antonio Brown or anybody else? I want to say he's there. The only thing that I bite my tongue about is the injuries. He's had a, a lot of injuries in the past couple of years. So, yes, when he's on the field, I, I don't think there's anybody out there that can that can hang with them. I may give I may say Antonio Brown is up there also, but Julio Jones is one of the most dangerous receivers in the league. But like I said, the only thing I am um, afraid about are the injuries. Okay, so I guess we're on the same plane. Not only that, we're Falcons fans, but I mean, it's no question he's a top five receiver, top top eight at the worst, and. He'll be the weapon that we that we need to spur a Super Bowl run, hopefully in the next two to three years. Oh, also, let me uh, throw something in there real quick. I don't like 
Now he he seemed winded yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I remember in the second half he was like alternating plays. I, now I don't know if that was injuries. That's why I wanted. To, um, that's why I asked you guys off air earlier if there are any injury reports because I didn't know if he was injured or he was just winded. But he did miss a lot of plays in the second half yesterday. I mean, it looked more like it was conditioning to me. I mean, I, I think he's probably one of the better conditioned athletes on the team. But um, I mean, he played. He, he made a lot of plays in that first half. He didn't get quite quite as many catches in the. So he only had one that that big forty four yard catch uh, late in the um, in the second half. But yeah, he did look a bit winded at different times um, in this in the second half, especially. But I, I think hopefully he'll he'll be back and he'll be ready to go come Sunday. Yeah, I heard um, something about his hip being sore. Um, that wasn't in the reports, but there was just um, some talk on, on some of the Falcons boards about him having some hip soreness in the second half. So, yeah, his those injuries do sometimes pop up, but um, as long as it's not something that's going to keep him off the field in an extended period of time, um, then it's not really something I feel is going to be a very major thing. I mean, on the stat board at the end of the day, he only had one catch, but he did have those two big uh, screen plays that got called back. So it's like if you throw those in there, um, in addition to his first half, and then his numbers are, are off the charts and really um, kept us moving forward. But with those, um, you know, those little nicks do pop up, but I don't, of course, I'm a homer, so I'm going to think my guys are the greatest anyway, if there's any debate on it. But We've seen Meg Megatron. He's gotten um, older a bit, and you know he's not. I'm not going to say he's past his prime at all, but he's just not the exact receiver he was. He was breaking those records a couple of years ago. Um, as well as Antonio Brown is a beast. I was watching him in the uh, opener against uh, the Patriots on Thursday night, and that was my first time really being able to watch his game. And he's to me the second best behind Julio. Um, in addition to Dez Bryant, he's in there as well. Uh, Demarius Thomas is not particularly impressive uh, when I watch him. He puts up big numbers, and he's definitely a talented receiver, but I don't see him to be on that same level that everyone puts him on. So I really do see you know, um, Megatron in there, um, Antonio Brown in there, and uh, Dez Bryant definitely gets some consideration as well. But I definitely see those four being ahead of the whole game with the Julio having just as well any of them to be the best right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fellas, that's that's good on that Julio talk. We're gonna see, we're gonna watch his career and watch the rest of the season. Hopefully he can play the rest uh the remaining fifteen games in the regular season and keep being that pillar um in our offense. Uh so everybody thank you for listening to this episode of Bird Bros Podcast. Remember please subscribe to us on iTunes. Um you can listen to us on SoundCloud as well streaming. We put the link though on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, Bird Bros, B-I-R-D-B-R-E-H-S. And um, shoot, send us an email. We're, we're taking questions. We'll, we'll have some questions and invite some fans on as well, fellow Falcons fans. Our email is birdbros at gmail.com. So definitely subscribe, listen, email, tweet, do everything, text. <laughs> we don't have a text number yet, but do everything. Get at us. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back um, next week, and we'll have a, actually a few more segments um, coming up this week. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.